Brother Robert, thank you for your testimony. Congratulations. And um, if you guys are, um, pr- when you guys are praying, please keep them in your prayers. Please pray for Denise and the baby. And um, same with um, Sister Julie and um, Brother Vince. You know, I wish um, all dads are as, as excited as, as Robert is when, when, uh, when he found out they were preg- uh, Denise was pregnant. He was very excited and can't wait to tell people about it, although he did wait. <laughs> but he was very excited. And, um, unlike other dads, you know, when we, when we find out we're, our wife is pregnant, we're like, oh, man, what am I going to do? <laughs> but please turn your Bibles over to John chapter 13. If you don't have a Bible, please raise your hand, and our deacons will hand you one. And then uh, next Sunday, if you do have a Bible, please uh, bring them. If you don't have a Bible with you uh, at home, keep the Bible that we are handing to you right now. That's yours. That's our gift for you. I think Sister Judy needs one here, tutorially. I'm going to have another one, but mine's destroyed chips. Okay, we'll give you one right now. Thank you, Judy. Judy will have her Bible. All right. I don't want to carry it around everywhere and have to fall apart. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Judy. All right. So if you have your cell phones, please make sure they're turned off or in silent mode. And uh, this is where uh, I'm going to be delivering the message. John chapter 13, verse 18 to 30. So we're going to be tackling the third installation for our series, Road to the Cross. This is where we're learning from the events that took place before Jesus' crucifixion and before his monumental resurrection. Amen? Amen. Yes, John chapter 13. Verse 18, Jesus predicts his betrayal. I'm reading from the New International Version. Hopefully everybody's there. I am not referring to all of you. I know that I know those I have chosen. But this is to fulfill the scripture. He who stares... He who shares my bread has lifted up his heel against me. I am telling you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am he. I tell you the truth. Whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, I tell you the truth. One of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to his disciple and said, Ask him which one he means. Leaning back, Jesus 
He asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, son of Simon. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. What you are about to do, do quickly, Jesus told him. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the feast or to give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out and it was night. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for everything that you've given to us this whole week. We thank you for the hymns that you have given to us and blessed us with. We pray for the singers, Lord God, and Tita Lorna for playing them. We thank you for keeping us safe and making it possible for us to be here in this building that you've provided, in this church body, in this church family that you've chosen for us. We thank you for our strength, our family, our loved ones, our jobs. We thank you, Father, for this country that you've given to us to where we can still praise you and worship you without fearing for our lives. We ask now, Lord God, for your Holy Spirit to guide us, to give us the wisdom that we need in order for us to understand and accept whatever it is that you want us to receive tonight. We pray for the people's hearts, Lord God, that are here in this building. We pray for them to be open for your word. We pray for salvation for the lost, rescue for those who are in trouble, forgiveness for the sins of your saints, and anointing for me, Lord God, your vessel, as you deliver your message again through me. Please bless my preparation, Father God, and speak through me. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, the weather is kind of meh, right? The, this weather in the Philippines, is, this is where we sleep. Because in the Philippines, it's usually really hot all the time. So when it's raining and the sun is out, that's when we love to sleep. And then when we wake up, we love to eat the toyo, right? the dried fish, right? Dried fish while it's raining, and then cup of cup of coffee, and then the fried rice with garlic and some salt, and then we're just staring outside the window because there's no power. There's no power. He's usually, we call it brown out, right? We're looking out there, and we're just like listening to the rain, looking at the splatter. Some kids running around because they don't have water, and now they're taking a shower outside. But this weather kind of brings us back to that, right? This weather kind of makes us like lazy. But praise God that you're here. <laughs> praise God that you're here. Because, you know, when it's, when it's sunny outside, we love to go to Tahoe and then we miss church. Or sometimes we go to California and then we miss church. Because the sun is out, right? Because we could do it during the winter time. And then when the winter is here, we say it's so hard to drive through the snow. <laughs> so we miss church again, right? <laughs> and then when everything's perfect, we say... I don't know, do I really need to go to church? <laughs> but praise God you're here. We titled our message tonight, I titled our message tonight, User-Friendly. <laughs> User-Friendly. The dictionary defines this as an adjective. Easy to learn is what it says. Easy to learn. It's um, easy to understand, easy, easy to use. That's why it's user-friendly. 
they were they used this word back in 1972 and they were referring to a software now i want us to use this user friendly like your fair weather friend you know what a fair weather friend is they're only talking to you and they're only nice to you when they need something you know that friend a text comes in or a call comes in and you know, oh man, something's wrong. Here we go again. There's a $500 that this guy still borrowed from me last time. I wonder how much he needs now. Right? User friendly. How do we see Judas? You know, Judas is, nobody names their kids Judas. Right? I, don't, I don't think I have a friend whose name is Judas. You know, I was called Judas when I'm being bad by my mom. You know? He'll call me, judge it, who does God? Come here. You know? <laughs> that was like, I thought that was my middle name. <laughs> nobody, names, no, nobody even names the, the dog Judas. Is there a dog named Judas? I don't think so. Nobody names anybody Judas because Judas is one of the person in history that has the worst reputation ever, right? And rightfully so, because he betrayed, he betrayed God himself. Imagine yourself taking care of somebody, giving your life to someone for three whole years. Three whole years, maybe more for some of you. And only for that last moment where you need that person and you come to find out that he or she puts you to the cross whatever that cross is and we all know i think we all know that type of feeling we have had those judases in our lives right yeah john 13 21 i tell you the truth jesus speaking one of you is going to betray me. We have three points this evening. First point is that one of you, when Jesus said one of you. Second point is the motivation behind the betrayal. And third is the price. First point, one of you. One of you. I have a picture here, and I always say it, but I think some, the Filipinos that grew up in the Philippines, we know this picture, because we've seen it. But some of you, because you've never been in the Philippines, so you don't know. The one form of, of transportation in the Philippines is, is a jeepney. A jeepney. See, I, buses for the Philippines are long drives. Buses here is like, right? It's everywhere in the city. Jeepneys are one best commuting thing that we have there. And in the jeep, inside the jeep, is this is this sign. God knows who does. Who does is Judas, the J is the H, who does not pay. I, whoever came up with this is one of the best, smartest people in the world, I would say. Because every time I think about not paying my fare, I look, I see this sign and I'm like, man, I'm going to be like Judas. I'm going to be like Judas for one peso and 25 cents. One peso and 25 cents. I would sin against God for one peso and 25 cents. Now, some people are saying, well, yeah, that's so cheap. That's so low. How much will you sin for? 
That's our third point. I want to not try to get there. Now, Jesus in, in verse 22 says, Simon Peter mentioned to his disciple, wait, wait. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which one of them he meant. Now, we all know because we read it that it was Judas that Jesus was referring to. So some background about Judas. Who is Judas? Judas was one of the 12 original disciples that Jesus chose to be his closest companions. Remember? Now, although a specific scene of, there was no specific scene where Jesus called Judas. Um, it's not included in the Gospels. There were accounts where he called Philip, Nathaniel, and Peter, and, um, and then some in, in Mark. Though Judas isn't mentioned nearly as much as during Jesus' ministry as others like Peter, James, and John, the Bible does record that he was the treasurer for the disciples. That's in John 12, 6 and John 13, 29. Now, some, some if not most of, most of you know, uh, my not-so-pretty, my tainted past somehow. My mom will know better and my sister and some of my old friends. Now, the line here of Jesus reminding, reminded me of an incident that I was involved in back in 94 and 95. So I know some of you weren't born. Thank you, Riza. <laughs> this is when I used to work at the El Dorado Hotel and Casino. I was a busboy at this restaurant called uh, Seafood. It was a seafood buffet. Um, I was getting paid five bucks per hour, imagine. The buffet was $25. I'm like, what? That's cheap now. Now, it was a Saturday, and it was a very busy evening. Now, after the shift, we were all called to a meeting before we were able to clock out. The manager told us that someone stole cash to the tune of 100 and plus and some change. The bill wasn't paid. That's why they found out. Now, the room, just like the disciples here, because it was like a blind item thing, the room was tense, you know? So now, if... If you've been in a situation like that and you were guilty, you will know the pressure. And the manager said there's something like he echoed Jesus there. He says, we know who you are. You might as well return the money. Now to my, <laughs> unfortunately for me, he was looking at me the whole time. Now, I said, again, some of you know my tainted past, how stupid I was before. Now, here, when Jesus said this, he already knew it was Judas. But why was, it he, keep, why was he making it cryptic? Why was he somehow making it like a secret? Why, why is it different? Why, why did God just didn't say Judas? Although he did reveal him in the following verses. But he, why would the, then the disciples too, why were they panicking? Why were they worried? Now I can imagine the panic in Judas' heart. It had to be the guilty one, right? That should be panicking. 
Because I think if you didn't do it, there would be no worry. You shouldn't be worried. Now, I'm thinking the reason why there's such a commotion here, I think the disciples, hearing this from Jesus, and them knowing, they've seen Jesus say to the Pharisees before he healed the paralytic. Remember that account? And without them saying a word, Jesus knew the, the thoughts in their hearts, and he rebuked them. So the disciples saw that. So they know that God knows everything. So here God is saying like a blind item, and then they're saying, who, who, which one of us did he mean? You know, my opinion here, I'm thinking this, right? This is my opinion here. I think, I think because all of them said something against God. I think all of them said something to someone or to each other, certain doubt. Because before this Thursday evening, this was a Thursday evening, this, they, Jesus has been saying, I'm going to be taken, I'm going to, be cru- I'm, going to be, I'm going to die, I'm going to be captured, and I'm going, to be, I'm going to rise again. And they weren't understanding this, right? Questions were rising, were mounting in their thoughts. Now I know we have, we have our, our, our notion on who Judas is. And he rightly deserves it. But I want us to ask the question, can there be a Judas in us too? Look at Peter here. Remember Peter? I love Peter. Uh, But Peter is Mr. He's Mr. Comment, right? He loves to comment. He always has something to say. But in this particular evening, he... He's nudged John. He goes, hey, since he loves you anyway, you're the favorite. Why don't you ask him? <laughs> How come he just, because you, you know, he, he would blurt out words, right? Over my dead body, Lord. No, I will not let this happen, Lord, right? But this time, he goes, wait, why don't you ask him? Did he learn his lesson? I don't know. They have seen and heard Jesus knowing the thoughts of the Pharisees. They've seen Jesus know it all, anticipate things. But they wanted to find out. They didn't know. Even the fact when after Jesus revealed it, they still didn't know. You know, sometimes us Christians, we read the Bible multiple times. We've heard multiple messages about the certain message, same message that God wants to penetrate in our heart, ingrain in our minds, Follow up to, for us to follow, for us to be warned by, but still, we don't understand it. We miss it. We miss it. God revealed it. If you look at your Bibles there again, He said, whoever I give this bread to is the one that's going to betray me. And then it happened, and then they were like, oh, maybe He's going to go buy some more bread. Maybe we're low in our pantry. Oh, they still missed it. You know, I love how they were lost with that, though. That they were so humble enough to know, to, uh, to, to at least ask, did he mean me? Surely not I. But that's Judas', Judas line. But go turn to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 1 to 6. <clears throat> when you're there, please say Amen. 
Okay, thank you. Second Samuel is, I'll help you. It's after First Samuel. <laughs> it's in the Old Testament. And there is no third Samuel. The Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, There were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb that he had bought. He raised it, and it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one, for the one who had come to him. Now Second Samuel, which is in the screen, 5-6 reads, David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Now, unlike the disciples, unlike the disciples, when Jesus said, Who one of you is going to betray me? The disciples said, Whoa, which one? David was quick to make a judgment for the guilty party of the message that he heard from God. And then he wanted to deliver a crushing blow only for him to find out in 2 Samuel 12, verse 7. Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. Sometimes we hear messages, whether here or your favorite podcast. And then we say, man, how I wish my husband heard this message. Oh, how I wish my wife was listening to this. How I wish my, my dad or my mom or my child was listening to this. You know what? I think it's time for us to humble ourselves like the disciples and say, is that for me? Is God talking about me? Is that message about humility for me? Is that message about serving for me? Is that message about whatever it is we should be asking instead of looking, gosh, I wish you, or such doing this. Are you listening? Wake up. David hearing the message and then totally forgetting about his sin against God. Now, it's been a while. It's been a while. That's why he forgot. He orchestrated a very precise cover-up of murder of Uriah so that he can, in the eyes of men, marry Bathsheba, whom he impregnated. He committed adultery and he committed murder. And then yet he forgot. God sent Nathan to deliver a message and then automatically he got fired up to kill somebody else only for him to get the crushing blow and say, oh my goodness, it's me. Yeah. Right? The baby agrees. Luna agrees. You know, Matthew 26, 25 reads this. After Jesus said that on the account of Matthew, the response of Judas is this. Then Judas 
The one who would betray him said, Surely not I, Rabbi. Surely not I, Rabbi. You know, some, some, some observations here are, are these. The Judases in our lives, they know what to say. The Judases in our lives, they know how to act. The Judases in our lives, they know how to lie. The Judases in our lives, they know what to say. The Judases in our lives know to handle guilt. They can sleep at night. You know the saying in prison, those who can sleep well are the guilty ones. Those who cannot have a good night's sleep are the ones that are actually not guilty, the innocent ones. So let me ask you, how do you sleep at night? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No. no. I'm kidding. That's, no, no, that's not fair. I'm glad you guys are sleeping well. We have to understand, we have to understand that we can easily be a Judas in our lives with Christ. We can easily be the user-friendly that we are, that we only come to Christ when we need something, that we only get down to our knees when we're troubled, that we only read our Bibles when we're finally confused because the answers that we thought we needed were actually making us more confused. The relationship that we thought we wanted was actually making us farther away from the Lord. And the happiness that we thought we were going to receive was causing us great depression. Second point, what's the motivation of Judas? So we know, we know it's money, right? Mark 14, 10 to 11, then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. So what was the motivation? Some will automatically say money, money right there. It says there, money. Which is, yeah, partly, I'd say. This is partly, of, partly. We are, when we're studying the Bible, when you're studying the Bible at home, you have to see the the verse for its full context. So there, you could have easily dismissed it, right? Because you will say, okay, it's about money, and I've heard this a thousand times, a million times. It's about money. It's 30 pieces of gold or silver. Let's move on. What's new, Pastor Joe? And I'll say, you, have, you missed this there. Then. What happened before then? Then is verse 4 in Matthew 14. Um, in verse 4 in Matthew 14, 3 to 9, I'm going to read verse 4 here. If you guys want to turn there, go ahead. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and money and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Dustin said it earlier. He read it for you, for us. Martha of Mary of Bethany came and anointed God's head with perfume. And the disciples there, led by Judas, 
were indignant. <coughs> they, were, they were saying that what a waste. What a waste of money. Now, the perfume was a year's wage. All the commentators have said that. And they're saying, as you're probably going to be thinking, what a waste of money. That, and when we say a waste of money, everybody says that's a practical approach. Correct? Because we always see money for practical reasons. Amen? Do we really? Do we really see money for practical reasons only? I think so. That's the, that's the truth. The truth should be money is just a, a, a tool to get, to get things, correct? To pay for our mortgage or our rent, to get food. Yes? But, but this, but look at this. Look, look, at, look at the funny thing about money. We get peace. We have peace if we have a lot of money in the bank. And then when there's no money, do we panic? I see some shaking heads. No, you don't have peace if you have money? Do you have uh, peace when you have no money? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think we have peace when you have money. I don't, I don't have peace. I, I panic when I have no money. But somehow when there's money in the bank, the word is campante. We're, we're, we're calm. We're comfortable because there's money. We have peace. So, but then they were saying, they were saying that this, why waste this perfume? They didn't see the honor behind it. They didn't see it. Have you heard your fellow believers rebuke you when you're trying to do something financially for the Lord? And then they tell you, what? what a waste of money. You're tithing? What? Why? Did you see the balance at the last business meeting? There's no need. Let me just, let me just clear this. Because I know everybody, every now and then, there's somebody that talks about the tithing here before the offering's taken. Let me just tell you, you're not giving until you're over your tithes. You haven't given yet. Your tithes is your tithe. That belongs to God. If you read the Bible correctly, it says the tithe belongs to the Lord. 10% belongs to the Lord. You're not even giving yet. So don't call it giving. If you're tithing, you're tithing. Once you give above 10%, that's when you're giving. So when you're not tithing, you're also not giving. We understand that Judas's one great fall, or his great motivation to betray Jesus was money. He was money hungry. He said here, what a waste. The opinion of man, based on what was being sacrificed by Mary of Bethany, the opinion of man was saying, whoa, what a waste. But look what Jesus said. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. 
Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Mary was unknowingly preparing Jesus for his burial. He might, she might have not known that. Dr. David Jeremiah wrote, She, Mary of Bethany, was celebrating Jesus for who he was. <coughs> End of quote. Mary of Bethany saw Jesus resurrect her brother Lazarus from the dead. Mary of Bethany wanted to honor and thank God. Imagine a year's wage. And I think it's a small price to pay. If a dear loved one of mine was resurrected by God, somebody very dear to me, and God gives me another year, two, three with them, I think it's more than my year's wage that I would love to give to Jesus. And that's what Mary gave. Us, Christians, God gave us eternal life. For eternity, from now to eternity, we will be in heaven with Him. We are living our lives forgiven of all the sins that we've committed against Him. In the past, now, and in the future. The least that we can do is give back to Him, correct? Some of us struggle there. Some of us, we struggle there. We struggle to give back our life that God has given us back to Him. And then when we see other people, other people giving too much, we think, you're at church again? How many times do you have to be at church? You were there Sunday. Before that, you were there Saturday because you had to practice. Before that, you were at a Bible study on Friday at Pastor Joe's house. Before that, you were at Wednesday for the prayer meeting. And then you had YA, or you had youth on Thursday and Monday. Why are you giving back so much to God about you with your life? Don't you have something else to do? Some of you will say, yeah, you're right. I have to take rest from God. Rest is good. But some of you never come back from rest. You guys take a sabbatical. <laughs> Instead of just taking a day off, you take a sabbatical. Rest is good. Serving God, giving back to God is good. The ones that were fault-finding Mary for the, the, the good deed that she did, one of them was Judas. What was more important to them was the cost of the perfume rather than who, to whom it was being poured onto. God himself in front of them. God himself. And they missed it. They said, what a waste. And then... They rationalized it. This, uh, this could have been given to the poor. Oh, I know those Christians. I know those Christians. Pastor Joe, I'm sorry. I'm not, not going to be able to give uh, this month because uh, my roof is leaking. My water heater broke. Pastor Joe, I'm not going to be able to go to church because, you know, the wife that God gave me, she doesn't want me to come to church. Pastor Joe, I'm not going to be able to uh, serve anymore. Because you know that job that, that we prayed for? It's actually taking me away from church. The main guy of those naysayers we know is Judas. John 12, 4, 5. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. 
Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was the worth of a year's wages. Now here is proof that someone can be looking at a situation and make an honest, truthful, mathematically correct observation and make a practical statement of a situation and still miss the message of God. Right there. I think that this also is God's way of t telling us that if we want, if we're only seeing with our logical mind, we can still be deeply mistaken. With our logical mind and in our eyes, we can still be deeply mistaken and miss the message of God because what our hearts are actually motivated with. See, if Judas was really in love with Jesus, he will see that a year's wage was poured unto his God so he should have seen honor, the blessedness of it. When we're seeing our fellow Christian, brother, Christ, Christian brothers and sisters pouring out their lives unto God, we should not be judging them of, of saying, oh, what a waste of time. Why are you giving so much to God? You know what we should be saying? I, I praise God for what you're doing. I really hope that I can take some, some load from you so I can also honor God with what you're doing and how you're doing it. John 12, 6. He did not say this. John wrote it. He called it out, right? There's no hiding it. Whenever you see Judas' name, Judas the betrayer, it's always there. He's marked forever. And John was quick to say, he did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put on it, into it. Judas was in Tagalog, Mr. Nenox. <laughs> Nenok is a slang of stealing. He's stealing from the bag. He's nenoking, tweaking it, putting it in his pocket. Oh, great. Praise God. You guys gave 40000 Let me keep thirty. we We'll put ten in the bank. <laughs> he was keeping stuff. He says it's tip, tip, tip for him. He had a tip jar there. <laughs> when you're sharing the gospel to someone, and then they say this, they say this. Have you heard this? They'll say, to see is to believe. Remember? Have you heard those? I will only believe in your Jesus if he shows himself to me right here, right now. Or whichever proof they would want from you. Right? And then, and then they'll say this. They'll say, I don't believe in God. Why would I believe in God that allows all this evil in the world? So the, un, the atheist your friend of yours is saying, I don't believe in God because he allows all this evil happening. <laughs> he doesn't believe in the God, but he blames God. He blames God for all the things that's going wrong in his life or her life and in the world. 
but he doesn't believe in God. The only God that they believe in is the God that allowed those evil things. So why would they believe in that God? <sighs> Judas spent three years with Jesus. Judas spent three years with Jesus, saw all the miracles that Jesus did. He saw Lazarus rise from the dead. He saw that young girl wake up from the dead. He saw a paralyzed man, born as a paralyzed man, walk again. He saw blind people see for the first time. He saw leprosy, the lepers get healed. He saw it, he witnessed all of this. So don't tell me, don't force yourself, don't force it. When your friend or your family or your coworker is saying, how oh, to see is to believe, you know what? Even if they see it, they will choose not to believe it. So don't, don't bother. Pray for them. Be nice about it, but pray for them. So don't, don't exert so much effort and don't be very frustrated because, you know, I was frustrated a couple times. Wait, okay, fine. More than a couple times. More than a couple times. But see, that argument to cease to believe is not necessarily true. They just don't really want to believe it. Judas's motivation is for his own personal gain, material blessings. You know, the other motivation of, of Judas, as the Bible commentators and scholars have written down, is that his political aspirations was going down the drain. Because Jesus kept talking, I will be arrested, and I will be killed, and I will resurrect again. So he starts saying, like, what is this guy? I thought this guy was going to redeem our country, our nation. Now, I guess I, I put the, uh, the wrong, I put my bet on the wrong horse. So that was his motivation. You know what? I might as well, if he's really going to be arrested, I might as well cash in. Might as well cash in while it's early. Mary's motivation, we read about Mary, right? Mary chapter 13, John chapter 13. Mary's motivation for what she did. No, Judas only loved Jesus, or not love, only wanted Jesus because Jesus was useful to him. Jesus was useful to Judas because he was getting money. He had his side money, right? And he was, he was popular with Jesus. Oh, there's Judas. He's one of the disciples. Look at that. One of the, part of the posse. Jesus was useful to Judas. But for Mary, Mary poured, down, poured on Jesus' head a year's wage. Think about that. A year's wage on Jesus' head. Not for nothing. She did not want anything in return. She only did that because Jesus was beautiful to her. Jesus was beautiful to her. You have to ask the question, is Jesus useful to you? That's why you're with Jesus? Or are you with Jesus because he's beautiful? Are you praying to God because you need something? Or are you praying to God because you love him? You just want to be with him. You know, some of us here, some of us, we love to be in the beach. I'm not saying everybody. Okay, some of you will love to be in the mountain. You like the nice view, right? I love, I love being in the beach. Not because I'm a great swimmer. I, I can barely swim. I just love looking at the water, the ocean. I love looking at the sunset and the sunrise. And I, pray, I pay a great deal of money just to see it and to be in that moment because it's beautiful. 
I love being with my children. Not because they're always great. And not because, <laughs> not because I'm always great for them. But because I just want to be with them. Because they're beautiful to me. I just want to be with my loved ones. The church people. Because they're just, just beautiful. There's, there's no use there. There shouldn't be the real genuine love. Should, should, should actions between, between that word, it's, it, should, it should surpass the usefulness of it. If you're in a relationship with somebody because they're useful to you, that's going to end soon. Because one time in the future, you will no longer need them. And they will no longer need you. So the question, what's your motivation why you're with Jesus? Because Judas's motivation of betraying Jesus was because Jesus's usefulness for him was drip, drifting away. Now the price. Third point and our last point. You know, they say everyone has a price, right? Now, a movie many years ago depicted a couple. There was a couple who truly loved each other. And then, unfortunately, they were faced with a financial problem. So they had this great idea. They go, let's go to Vegas and gamble. <laughs> I have money problems. Let's go to Vegas and put this on that, on that roulette. roulette. It's going to go better on red, better on red. They lost all their money, but there was a billionaire. A billionaire spotted the wife, and the billionaire took an interest on in the wife. Billionaire invited the couple, and then he made the indecent proposal of saying, I just want one night with your wife, and I will pay you guys $1 million. For those of you who are married here, what would you do? Oh, the automatic answer of the Christian man, husband, he will say, oh, of course not. My wife is my wife. She is mine. I love her and she loves me. $10 million, I say yes. <laughs> and the movie went where they agreed to it. And then their relationship went down the drain afterwards. People say that everyone has a price. What is Jesus' price to you? Matthew 26, 14 and 16, Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and asked, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. 30 pieces of silver is the price for a slave. Now this too was a fulfillment of the scriptures in Zechariah 11, 12 to 14. That was, that was prophesied that Jesus will be sold for 30 pieces of silver. And Psalm 41.9 predicted that Jesus' Jesus's betrayer would share his bread, which was a direct reference of John 13.18. And then it was acted out in John 13.26-28. Now, if you research how much the 30 pieces of silver would have been for the cost of living then in, in Judas' time, 
It was only worth four months to live. Jesus, our Lord, was traded for four months to live. Four months. Judas said, four months? Okay, I'll find another job before that runs out. Right? That's how he thought about it. Now, the perfume, because we're on the price. This is a, the, the, the price section, right? 30 pieces for Jesus, four months of worth, worth living. Mary of Bethany poured a year's wages on Jesus' head. 50 denarii was the worth of that perfume. Now some, if not most of us, I hope I still have everybody's attention. Some of us, if not most of us, we have traded Jesus much less than a four months worth of living. Some of us, we've traded him for a dollar, 25 pesos. One dollar, one peso, and 25 cents. Some of us, we've traded God for a relationship. Some of us, we've traded God for a job. Some of us, we've traded God and His calling for us for comfort. Because when God calls us to do something, it's usually uncomfortable. Being part of God's ministry is always going to be one of the biggest challenges in your lives. And we all know that. Why? Because we're carrying the name of Jesus. And we have to approach our life with care, right? So we can no longer be the same old us, which is why we don't like it. Somebody's FaceTiming you. Are they telling you they can't make it to church? <laughs> Some of us, we've traded Jesus for less than a four months' wage. Now, remember my story earlier? <laughs> now, I have a question for you, but you don't have to answer it loudly because I don't want any hard feelings between us. <laughs> Did you think it was me who took the money? With the little information that I have given you, with my tainted past, and how stupid I was. Did you think that it was me? Because frankly, I tell you, my friends before that I was working with, they thought it was me. And now God is my witness here. I'm in the pulpit here, right? God will strike me if I lie. <laughs> I did not take it. It wasn't me. Not that time. <laughs> So I'm telling you, when the manager said, one of you, I was confidently sitting there. I'm like, man, who is it? And he, he the whole time was looking at me. I'm like, yeah, man, who is it? You know, he's, I, I remember his name. His name is Tom Weiss Carver, the manager. And he puts the fear on people. But that moment, that evening, I was like, yeah, I wonder who it is. And everybody thought it was me, including my close friends. Because you have that reputation. When you have that reputation, you're screwed. But see, Jesus, though, when Jesus comes into our lives, he covers us. He covers us with his reputation. You're no longer the Marites that you are. 
You're no longer the gossiper. You're no longer the murderer. You're no longer the liar. God sees Jesus covering you, right? He sees you holy and righteous, lovingly the apple of his eye because of Jesus. Jesus answered them, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it was written about him. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. He would be better for him he had not, if he had not been born. Judas was give, being given an out. Jesus, in his loving way, was giving Judas an out. This was his out. He gave him his last and final out. But of course, Jesus knows as God knows that Judas will screw up. And Judas, again, in Matthew 26, 25, then Judas, who would betray him, said, Surely not I. Church, loved ones, pride Pride comes before the fall. It's difficult for any proud person to receive God's message because we think we know everything. Because we think it's not us that the pastor was referring to. It was our husband. It was our son. It was our mother. It was our brother. Not us. Surely not I, Lord. Surely not I. The points tonight were one of you, and then we discussed who Judas was and what that cryptic message was. And then the point that there could be a Judas in all of us. And then the motivation behind Judas's action and then the motivation be behind Mary of Bethany's action. And then the third point was the price. The price of what Judas exchanged Jesus for. Now, how about the price that Christ was willing to give for us? Remember this? For God so loved the world that He gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. In Romans 5, 8, But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that beautiful? Amen? Amen, amen. amen. So if you don't have that red Mercedes-Benz that you've been praying for, God still loves you. God still loves you. If you still don't have that boyfriend you've been praying for, God still loves you. Maybe it's not that guy. If you still don't have that, that, that big house that you've been praying for, God still loves you. God's love must be the most important thing in our lives. Amen? Because it is. 
For us to have his love, he gave himself for us. He paid the greatest price. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? Are you, can you even wrap your mind around that? Judas was chosen by Jesus to be part of the first 12 disciples. Jesus knew that he will be betrayed, that he will suffer, that Jesus knew too that he will suffer the cross. But Jesus still came down from heaven, take the form of man, willingly put himself to the cross, the most excruciating way to die and suffer. For his motivation, and his motivation was just this, because of his love for us, love for you, and love for me, the people that constantly betray him. Now Judas was, was lost forever. The 30 pieces of silver, he did not even enjoy it. He tried to give it back to the Pharisees, remember that? And then they threw it out. They said, oh, there's blood in that money. So they threw it out. He tried to hang himself. You know, he can't even do that, right? You guys know that? In Acts chapter 1, you will see. So he tried to hang himself, but that branch broke. That branch broke, and he died when he hit his head. He hit his head on the rock. The point is this. Whatever you're trading God for, it's not worth it. Whatever you're trading God for, it's not worth it. Whatever you're trading God for, it's not worth it. He or she or it is not worth it. User-friendly. User-friendly is our message tonight. Judas was user-friendly because Jesus was useful to him. And when Jesus was no longer useful to him, he let go and cashed in for 30 pieces of silver that he never got to use. That is our message this evening. As the praise and worship team make their way up here, if you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, please come up so we can lead you into that prayer. If God has spoken to you and he, tells, he told you to become a part of this church, please come up so we can recognize you. Or if you just need prayer, please come up so we can pray for you. Please join me in the word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your message for us tonight. We thank you for the sad example of Judas, Lord God. As much as we disdain his, his actions of betraying you, Lord God. It is a good reminder for us, Lord God, to not lose focus of why we serve you, of why we belong to you. It is all because of your love for us. It is all because of your sacrifice for us. It is all because of your grace and mercy that you give to us each and every day. We are never worthy of you, Lord God. We are your unworthy servants. But yet you are so good, Lord God. So I pray, Father, for this truth to remain in our hearts, for this truth to echo in our minds, Lord God, during this whole week, especially when we're facing a big challenge in our life, when we're questioning if we are off value to anybody. That I pray, Lord God, that you will remind us that you paid the ultimate price so that we can be with you. We love you, Father. 
In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you all for your patience.